Welcome to episode three, part two. This is Shantae from the Sisters Group, and today you're in for a treat. We are sitting with six amazingly talented women from the Sisters Group. We will talk about their experiences with surviving domestic violence while highlighting the book, In the Company of My Sisters, written by Julia A. Boyd. We usually start off with getting to know each other, but I want to be sure that the listeners know that this is the sisters group. And within the sisters group, we have a smaller group where we have the book club. And each Saturday at 9 a.m., we come together and our current book of discussion is In the Company of My Sisters. To my right, we have Rhonda, Jadel, and Nikki. And to my left, we have Chloe, Tess, and Diamond. Thank you so much for being here today, ladies. First of all, thank you, Tess, for introducing the book to us. And I can say for myself that I went out and bought it for my godmom, my aunt, and my best friends because this book is so powerful. And as I was reading through the pages, I saw different parts of my life. And one thing that I've taken away from it is Yes, a lot of the, the decisions that I make today are um, of myself and of me, but I'm being affected by decisions my great-grandmother made, my grandmother made, my mom made, the environment I grew up in, the people who I was around as a child and as I grew up. Like The decisions that come across my mind or that I make are not just me. There are different things that play a part with that. And... Um, I'm thankful that I see that because I'm more mindful when I make my decisions. I sit with myself. <laughs> I pause for a minute, Tess, and I make sure that is it makes sense. I make sure that um, I'm not in my feelings or I'm not doing this um, for any other reason of what I intend for it to be. So... I'm getting to learn myself. <laughs> I'm getting to know more of me, knowing more, connecting with my mom. My mom, um, she did, she is deceased. She passed four years ago, but this book helps me connect with her and how she raised me, what she wanted to be instilled in me, how she wanted me to leave the inner city, you know, the dangerous parts. And it's making sense. Like, wow, you sacrificed all of that so I can be where I am today. And now I want to do my best for my children. So it's not just the book that talks about um, like the smaller things in life. <laughs> this book is big. And I want to sit with you all today to see how um, it has impacted your life or the best parts mm-hmm. of the book. What you like? And I know it's a lot. <laughs> I was about to say, it's going to take a whole season. It's going to take a whole, we can do a whole season on this. I did my best to summarize my takeaway from this book, but my book is highlighted. Like, all throughout. I have I got colors. You like, this week, this, have this So, if you all could think about, you know, um, the pages that we've read so far, because we still have some more um, reading to do. What is the biggest takeaway so far? Like, what has really been on your heart since reading this book? Diamond, we'll start with you. Okay. Tess? Wow. Um, it was a lot. Um, 
taken away. And also a lot given. It set me free. It set other out <sighs> of bondage of resentment <laughs> and judgment. Because I view some of my experience just through the lens of how it affected me, not knowing the root stem cause of how it came to be for them. Um, for my mother, um, understanding the era she was raised in. Mm -hmm. um, for those who are sisters of different skin tones, it shares on that a little bit. It does. Um, and me being a light-skinned sister and viewed in certain different lights sometimes, um, it also assisted me with setting healthy boundaries. There's a part in the book that I just love and I, you know, it's, it's so much in it, but there's one part that she views your body as the house. Oh. Mm -hmm. And the house is your genetic makeup. Like you can't change the foundation of the structure of who you are, right? And then she goes in and talks about the different rooms, right? So these different rooms in the house have doors and you can shut these doors. Well, if I can invite you to my house, my ideology of thinking or being able to set boundaries is you can come in my house. So you're not invited into my life at all. So either you can come in my house or you don't come in at all, right? So meaning you can come into my life or you don't come in my life. I didn't know I could shut a door. So those places in my life like this sister group, I can talk about the experience of domestic violence without being judged or, or people sharing why you stayed this long or, or what did you do to him or any of those kind of conversations. I don't have to answer it here. You know, I don't feel like I'm judged here. But when someone else might come to visit my life, come into my life, I just might shut that door. Mm. You know, and I'm learning how to invite individuals into my life by knowing healthy boundaries to set without judging that this right now, you're not deserving of this space to come into my house in this area. Doesn't mean you're not invited into my life. And that to me was very powerful. Chloe, what would you say is like the biggest takeaway from the book so far? The biggest takeaway for me, um, I believe, is um, mainly just staying true to the things that you believe you should be doing in You know, because um, she has a lot of different there's a lot of situations in the book that i feel like all what they result back to the fact that um when you make these decisions for your life and people bring up um different reasons why you shouldn't do that or you shouldn't go this way or whatever like specifically like um she said something about being pescatarian or um, changing lifestyles or 
um, not whipping your kids, you know, just um, a lot of different things that come up where we have all of these conversations and um, these narratives within our community. But I feel like um, it's so difficult to have the discussion around what you feel you should be doing. But honestly, it's just truly whatever you feel that you should do, do it. Right. Even the one, even the situation where she talks about um, women and us feeling comfortable with having sex, even if it's just casually. But, you know, um, the idea of just making just defining those things for yourself. And I think she just allows us to be individual and free within that. She's so, yeah, that's the biggest takeaway. And I know some people get caught up with traditions, like, well, this person did it, you know, my family's been doing this for this amount of, you know, and sometimes when, it can be physically when you leave your family, like have a distance, you see the world, um, you have a, a different outlook on the world because you're not inside, you know? And then when you get these new ideas or you change your way of living and then you come back, sometimes family aren't as accepting. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that she goes into detail mm-hmm. on basically what you just mm-hmm. mentioned. Like saying you're better, you know? You, oh, you have a yes. different way of eating <laughs> or you, your clothes or, you know, mm-hmm. she talked about that, like, what you got on? And mm-hmm. it's what I want to wear today, mm-hmm. you know, your hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, great. That was a good one. Thank you, Rhonda. Um, the biggest takeaway, or what comes to mind at the moment, is when she was talking about those silent messages that mm-hmm. we 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 pick up from our childhood, and it's in our personality, our self esteem, and it affects us in those ways, and where we don't even really realize what those messages, you know, impact mm-hmm. um, our personality and how we react from that or not react and how we deal with it um, as we grow older and start different relationships, whether it be professional friendships or whatever it is, but people get this perception of you, uh, a lot of it for us being black women, strong women, mm-hmm. and then we get this title mm-hmm. labor <laughs> on us. Yeah, yeah, the S on our shirt, mm-hmm. we're strong. So we don't feel feelings, we're not mm-hmm. compassionate. People don't want to be compassionate towards mm-hmm. us, you know, because we have this label of being she's strong, she can take it, or she got it. She's not affected by, you know, how you treat her, what you say, or whatever, whatever. So I um, I remember that part so well, because a lot of the book is 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 a lot of what I can relate to it. So that part of the book where we have this title where we need to relinquish it <laughs> so that we can have a better experience. Remember when she was feeling guilty about buying a pair of shoes? Right. Yeah. You know, like, that's that's S on your shirt. Like, 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 we don't deserve those things. Yeah. Self-care. <laughs> exactly. Like, self-care is 
And I want to read that, um, Rhonda. It's on page 15, and I have that highlighted. <laughs> I'll get exactly where to go. She um, stated on page 15, we can't live up to everybody's idea or expectation of a strong Black woman. We feel like a failure. And feeling like a failure only leads to big-time depression. It would be nice to have some room for emotional flexibility, but often we don't have a clue as to what emotional flexibility looks like for ourselves. Correct. Now, that, like, wait, as soon as you said strong Black women, <laughs> I re woman, I remember okay. that part of the book. And, um, yeah, mm -hmm. that's a, it's, it's a stigma almost that a lot of Black women have. I mean, like, you know, those women who are ambitious and who are powerful and, you know, they have these high power positions or attorneys and, and things of that nature, you know, they're, I mean, let's just take it, for example, our new Madam Vice President, right? Mm -hmm. You know, she's one of those women that, you know, they would say <clears throat> strong Black women, mm -hmm. you know, so. It's just, you know, sometimes we're not always going to be. But what defines that? I think, well, with that, I think sometimes we're pushed to be under that umbrella. Mm -hmm. yeah. And because that's what kind of sticks out to me that when we were reading the book, that Black strong woman, that was always pushed on me. Mm -hmm. That, first of all, I'm the oldest. Mm -hmm. I had all these expectations mm -hmm. for my mother and my father. Mm -hmm. I had so much in the world from, you know, that that I'm supposed to do. But then when I looked at myself, I don't want to do these things. I want to just be able to have peace of mind. Just maybe can I kick my shoes off right. for a minute and don't, you know, hide for a few seconds. So I think as women, we're pushed into that world to be strong black women. We can't take the layers and peel them back and see, yeah, we we you know, you know, we, we're afraid sometimes. Right. right. We just, you know, want, want to go run away sometimes. Yeah, we just want to scream right. and holler. Or yeah, maybe I do want to go out and, you know, have casual sex or have a drink or mm -hmm. have a smoke or whatever. Right. I just want to be me for a moment right. without that flashlight being shined on me. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about the childhood experience and can find the root of where that might have been first planted, right? Let's see. Do you remember when you first started with menstrual? And then you were like, I'm cramping, I'm hurting. Mm -hmm. And everyone would push you like it didn't matter. Like it's just yeah. part of it. Yeah, yeah like so so you're not the first one, you're not going to be the last one. So, come on, get up, get on with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, you're 20 years old, yeah. You're 20 years old, you're still a little girl. So, I, I wonder when did that start? Like, wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Janelle, would you like to share? I'm so tired well, of that yeah. word. Yeah. I'm so tired of society, other women 
you have to be that strong black woman. Yeah, and you, you cannot. You cannot let right. society beat you up. You have to always have your shoulders yeah. and the weight of the world on your shoulders. Right. But we can't do that. And I hear all the time. I hear all the time. Even when I'm doing well, even when my emotional, you know, my peace, I have, have it all together, I still hear it. Like, you know, I still hear it. It's still not enough. It's still not enough. You got to do something more. And then when you do do all that, it's like silence. Like mm-hmm. it's a norm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you, you don't even get like, it. Well, you just did what it was expected. Like, <laughs> did you see what I just accomplished? Right. And it's silence. <laughs> but if you don't do it, then everybody will be looking mm-hmm. at you like, you daddy is so strong. Mm-hmm. And we just want like our feminine grace to be that strength for right. us. Mm-hmm. Like that's why I'm strong because I'm in my feminine grace. Yes. That the world right. could see that if each each of us can see that. Mm-hmm. That would be so powerful. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. It would be. Nikki, would you like to share? Yeah, well, for me, what Tess said about the lady bought her shoes and remember that her daughter requested something and then she had to get off the bus to go and get it because, mm-hmm. you know, that's been, I have permission with the book. It's like I have permission to look at me. You know, it, it, it gave me the permission to like, it's okay. You can look at yourself, you know. And I'm not saying just looking at myself in the mirror, it's looking at myself to realize that, okay, if I'm not okay, they're not gonna be okay. So I need mm. to take care of me, mm-hmm. you know, because before I'm always running, oh, my children, oh, my children, because when I was in the relationship, that was it. Even if I find out, okay, this time when I get my paycheck, I want to buy this. Before the paycheck comes, then there's something. Then there's something that was supposed to be done last month that I trusted him to do that he didn't do. So that has always been like, oh. So it's like, oh, well, I know I'm not going to be able to buy anything, so why expenses? But with this book, it's like, okay, you know what? This bill can be late this month, but I have to be okay. You know, I can take care of myself and it's okay for me to look at me, you know, and take care of myself. Okay, um, last question. So as I believe all of us, we were just introduced to this book. Okay, okay. (laughs) So what can we share to a, share with the survivor um, about this book. Was there any part of the book that spoke to your healing journey or spoke to you when you were in the house with the abuser or something that you could have seen and gave you insight from this book? Does anyone have anything that they can share with the survivor today that they can take away from this book while they're in the midst before they even start their healing journey. I think the book helped me to love myself. You have to have that self-love because being in a domestic violence relationship for me stripped away all the love I had for myself. It helps you now to heal, to learn that you are somebody. You're not that 
B word. Right. You're not that slut or whatever word that that person used to degrade you. Mm -hmm. But I think the book also teaches you where a lot of their pain may come from also. Mm -hmm. um, and I know people don't want to look at that, but they're in pain also. Right. There's things that happen with them. Yeah. That they're taking out on you because you're the closest person to them. And she does talk mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. She does talk about that. Mm -hmm. Just to learn how to love yourself again. You know who you are, and that love will help things within yourself that you didn't realize that you love to do: reading, dancing, just maybe going traveling. You start doing those little things again for you. Right. In the very beginning of the book, I was able to relate with the author because she said two things <laughs> that brought back memories that some may not even pay to any mind. Like, okay, she did say that, but I um, was affected by that directly because of stress. I had asthma attacks, severe asthma attacks, nonstop, and my eczema. It was so bad that um, the doctors didn't know. I went to a specialist. Honestly, the, the dermatologist did not know what was wrong with me mm -hmm. until I basically asked her, hey, can we hurry up? Because I have to get to my mom. I have a court date and I have to get to my mom. Like my mom is in her final days. She mm -hmm. looked at me like, sweetie, you're stressed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, like basically like, okay, I hear what you're saying, but what does that have to do with my skin? Mm -hmm. And she said that and explained it to me. She said, if you had told me that you were going through a divorce, that your mom was, you know, passing, I would have let you know that your skin is peeling, like your skin is falling apart because you're stressed. And um, if I could talk to a survivor, like stress affects us in so many ways. And when she spoke about her asthma attack and the eczema in and out of the hospital, it, um, it wasn't just when I was in the abusive relationship, but even today, Sometimes, going back to the strong woman, mm -hmm. sometimes there's so much on my plate that it does stress me out. Mm -hmm. And I had to remember, Sean said, you cannot do everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Pick the three, top three things and that's what we'll accomplish today. And we'll, the other one, we'll table it to tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we have to understand that. And when you're in the midst of the storm, there's some things that you just had, just have to say you have no control over it. And make sure you're safe. And if you have children, make sure your children are safe. But you cannot be superwoman in, you know, every situation in your life. So um, that's one thing that I really wanted to share. And another thing I want, um, well, for those that are still in the relationship, I think another thing that kept me for so long was I was trying to fix him. Oh. I felt like, oh, well, maybe, you know, maybe, but you can't fix anybody you cannot you cannot because his problem is even way over your head whoever or you know because when he started according to his family his mom i was probably in my diapers you know so trying to solve a problem that started like decades ago it's so if, you, if somebody in a relationship, if you think, oh, well, maybe if I don't talk or maybe if I just keep quiet, maybe if I let him have his way, his way 
Because the moment you agree that, let me just let him talk, he will find something else to do that will aggravate you. Because like Jodel said, the problem is with them, mm -hmm. not with you. Right. And until the person realizes that he or she has a problem, there's nothing anybody can do. You know, so that's another thing that I I think it's very important for women to see when you're in a relationship, you can't fix that. The best thing to do is to walk away. Yeah, they want it for themselves. I think the, well, the book helps you, like you were saying, um, it just brings up things about, I like when she talks about her childhood and things that happened with her parents, because um, just like Jadelle said, it just helps you to learn your, like you get to know you, you learn to love yourself again, mm -hmm. because for me, it put me back with my self as a little girl and like, oh, this is, you know, some of the things that I went through and the experiences and um, my things I, that happened with my parents and the stress that happened early on was a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. A lot of that stress continued into my marriage and like I allowed it, I allowed it to continue because that was what I was used to and so I just for me I think the biggest advice or something I could say from the book you know that it showed me is that those situations they become familiar in your life and you have to make a decision to say okay it stops today you know because other than that like it's really no way you know people can try to help you but nobody can help you but truly yourself yes, you have to you have to decide to make a change thank you yes yeah she speaks of um in a chapter about self-esteem Oh, uh -huh. and she says self-esteem is a core of personal beliefs that we develop about ourselves over the years. We receive many of these core beliefs from messages that are directed at us, both individually and collectively. As Black women, we're not always conscious of taking in these messages. Mm -hmm. So being in an abusive, toxic relationship for however period of time, you're taking in all those messages, right? And she goes on to say, someone tells you that you're stupid. You're going to turn those messages into hidden beliefs. The hidden belief will present itself. I can't make a decision. I'm stupid. You're left, you're left feeling confused and frustrated. I remember when I was in, in the midst of that relationship with my ex-husband and he used to say, why, 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 cry, cry, cry. That's all you do. And he made a song out of that. And why, why, why? Because I would ask him, you know, trying to have an adult conversation, you know, why is this taking part? And he would play with it. Like, it's, it's a joke. And then cry, 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 because I'd be left sitting there crying. And so little bit by little bit, your self-esteem 
is attacked and attacked. And she goes on and said the answer to it is you have to give back the words to yourself. And she said it is easy to say I am lovable and worthwhile, but much, much more difficult for us is to believe it. Mm. And how we go about doing that is it takes three things to turn a message into belief. The message must be given in a clear, direct manner. So I must possess it and say it to myself. Affirmations are very good. Connecting to God, which is my personal belief system. There has to be a supportive evidence that increases validity of the message. I see it around me. Just like you say with your children, they are giggling. They are laughing, right, Simon? And the reason why is because of the home that you are creating in the house. So that's evidence of who you are as a mother because they wouldn't be laughing. They wouldn't be giggling, right? And then the message must be repeated over an extended period of time. Um, so <clears throat> what I can take away from it everything we just talked about today and also to just um if you know that you know that you know that there is something that you are used to want to do or didn't get to do yet think about that and use that to take each step every day so that whatever that is something you want to do or mm -hmm. something you want to see whatever that is that means something to your inner core your inner belief hold on to it don't let it slip away because mm -hmm. that can be your focus and strength to draw from to make the move to each step that you take every day yes thank you so much thank you Rhonda. and <laughs> i mentioned this on our last recording that having these sessions are really like a therapy session mm -hmm. so we've just had so many different emotions here today and i thank you all for so boldly sharing parts of your story so thank you thank you thank you thank you Thanks for joining us for this episode of Sister Stories. It's important to note that everyone's situation is different and leaving an abusive partner may not be an immediate or safe option. To explore additional options or for help with safety planning, please call the Women's Resource Center 24 hours at 404-688-9436 or the National Domestic Violence Hotline. That number is 1-800-799 7233. According to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, domestic violence is prevalent in every community and affects all people regardless of age, socioeconomic status, sexual orientation, gender, race, religion, or nationality. The devastating consequences of domestic violence can cross generations and last a lifetime.